Hello and welcome to Phil's Breakfast Metal episode 119. This is the second part on my kind of releases I've been enjoying from the 2023 series. A lot of these releases are very fresh. It's 1st of July at the point of recording and some of them have only been out a week or two. So much like in the first episode, it's going to be a lot of relatively short reviews. I'm sure I'll come back to some of these albums in more detail in the future. And there's going to be no real order to this, uh, as I said before. I don't want to sort of get bogged down in sort of uh, reviewing similar genres over and over just to uh so to keep things interesting i'm just gonna sort of pick albums pretty much at random so the first band i want to cover today uh athaniosis um i think that's how you say it. I, it's not a real word I, i'm fairly certain i at least couldn't find a um a kind of uh definition of it anywhere but these are death metal band from france who've been around a good few years now in one form or another since the very early 2000s I came across them pretty recently, um, a friend of mine shared their previous album, Prophetic Era, um, and I got really into that over the last, like, year or so, doing this kind of very heavy, but, like, not particularly complex death metal, it's, um, you know, this, this band are sort of pure trad death metal in, in many ways, like, I, I guess they could be put in the kind of the OSDM revival, but I feel that's unfair. They've, they've kind of got their own their own flavour to it. And on their latest album, Cross Deny Glorify, the thing they really remind me of, which I think is a very cool way they've kind of sort of updated and evolved their sound, is um they really feel like the heavy parts of Necros Christos. That kind of ritualistic, very epic very kind of rooted in religious symbolism kind of lyrics with this powerful clear vocal delivery so fully screamed but um yeah that that kind of over this like simplistic often somewhat repetitive um music that has that kind of like ritualistic sort of power to it um that's coupled with really at its core your kind of bolt thrower-esque or like maybe Netherlands death metal scene, heavy, chugging, just really thick sounding riffs. It's like, and the, the kind of the production, everything really suits it. Everything just sounds very big. Um, yeah, the the vocals are are kind of the uh, real selling point of this to me. So uh, Samuel Girard um, is vocalist, plays guitar, and and since. Um, since I think the latest album, I believe they had a drummer on the previous one, but he's broken drums for this and and done a fantastic job. Like you, like I, I guess they just about sound programmed. I think you, you'd noticed if you if you're paying attention to it. But he's done a very good job. It's it's not a drum programming that uh, that bothers me in the slightest. And then uh, the the lineup is is completed by uh, Arulian Girai. Oh, well, God, I've got no idea how to say his surname. But there is another guitarist, too. It's, it's, it's clearly adding saying no idea the division of labour there. But as a two-piece, they, they make an incredibly full sound. So there's nothing particularly technical about this. It, it kind of, in many ways, the sort of standard riffing reminds me about, like, Netherlands death metal scene. Like, that kind of straightforward but very heavy brutal occasionally throwing in these tracks that um lean into the more like melancholy kind of heavy death doom riffs um a silent the silent oblivion sorry later in the album really has that kind of feel whereas the opener the cross is far more just pummeling like the the the, the bolt for a steamroller of, of just heavy chugging riffs but it's those vocals and those the I say the the really overt religious symbolism. Unlike Necros Christos, who have this weird way about it, I guess this is more pointedly anti-religious. Like it's very, very anti-Christian kind of stuff. It's you know kind of um, imagery you'll be well used to as years of being aware of deicide and 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 the ilk but it, I, I feel they they've got a flair to it that I, I think really works in their favor and coupled with like their choice of um album covers works really nicely um all three of their albums so far use these like kind of very old historic um paintings that all were very colorful they always seem to have this kind of like uh yellow and blue color palette to them i, I think i think they're each one's different artists yeah like um 
the the second the, the cross deny glorify cover it looks very kind of renaissance arty and it just it fits very well and, and lends that that sense of of epicness the album does end in really grand fashion as well with the closer to glorify like previously every song is you know about three four minute mark fairly you know straightforward structurally final track is this 12 minute epic where we get thrown in these kind of cool clean chanting vocals and then this very like this very odd spoken word section and a really nasally voice which um uh, that makes it sound bad but for whatever reason for me it just it totally works i i've i felt it was a really epic build and they throw in a few more kind of interesting melodic ideas like as the song sort of builds up so the album just has like a a really solid close to this just making an absolutely um complete package yeah so i just that really impressive thing of like uh athaniosis um have just grown greatly between their albums and are really you know just expanding that sound in in a very interesting way in a very packed field as bands but i think having relations something like necros christos who are always for me a very memorable kind of band in that field like it's a it's a really cool influence to be taking i'm sure i'm sure they've taken some influence there but maybe maybe i i am projecting that but yeah i'd, I'd highly recommend checking out cross deny glorify <laughs> Next up, I want to cover a Death Doom band, Subterranean Disposition, with their 2023 release, Individuation. Uh, so, Subterranean Disposition, this is their, their third album. Uh, they've been active since like 2011, and I think mainly are like a sort of started life as a one man project of uh, Terry Vaynerus, um, but on this album have added a, a guest drummer in the form of Dan Naham and Justin Min are on bass so yeah it's a sort of rounded up lineup but probably very much led by this one man's vision and what the album starts off with is kind of very well done death doom it is just exactly what you're picturing for like a modern death doom sound this kind of very massive guitar tones low but clear vocals slow pace extreme heaviness but without, you know, kind of the absolute brutality of, of, of death metal. It's more of that kind of kind of plodding speed. You're like, okay, this is really cool. They're, they're executing this very well. Then about three minutes in, loads of stuff happens that I wasn't expecting. Uh, things go more mellow, and suddenly there's saxophone, um, which... You know, I know as a put off to some people, for, for me, I was like, okay, that's that's an incredible texture. I wasn't expecting in Doom, and amazingly, the saxophone is played by Terry himself, who's sort of guitarist and vocalist for this project. Um, also, a sax player. Apparently, he has a um, Doom jazz side project called uh, Vanaras and the Altars of Drill. So, um, <laughs> yeah, he's he's got some interesting sort of musical influences going on here. Jazz, not an not an element I expected to be integrated with Doom, but here here it works. It's that kind of very melodic melancholy sax fits perfectly, and then we get some more kind of like 
clean tone guitars and keyboards and he comes in with a kind of very melancholic or like sung but in a sort of i don't know very subdued register cleans and then then as the music builds back up it throws in some other kind of styles i wasn't quite expecting he has this like kind of third voice he uses on the album aside from the screams and the the kind of cleans of that more kind of like southern rock southern metal kind of semi-harsh sing scream he will throw in over um some kind of more bombastic riffs which is just a, a really interesting sort of change in direction from that point the album kind of moves back and forth between those kind of like four ideas of like your kind of your kind of more traditional like death doom this sort of the addition of the saxophone keeps coming back we we get plenty of moments of the melodic cleans um and then this kind of like harsher sort of midpoint between the two vocals comes in that's often utilized over some of the faster riffs so the second track haunted optimist comes in at a quite quite a speed like the drumming on that is actually like kind of intense blast for the first couple of minutes of the song and then we get some more kind of moves back towards like there's a, a very clean section later on i think is this track as well has the saxophone used in more of like a, an aggressive kind of uh more chaotic manner so you know the guy the guy is clearly as well an extremely gifted sax player along with like guitarist and uh vocalist like he is, is a very talented musician this is this is clearly not something he's picked up recently just to add another sound on the album like he his his sax works well <laughs> to me who knows nothing about doing it but it sounds very impressive he does some interesting stuff with it and i i love the, the kind of melodic feel of it and he, I, that is the i guess the thing that really stands out to me about subterranean disposition is is the introduction of saxophone into the sound i found very interesting but it's it's kind of excellently kind of crafted stuff like they they handle those transitions very well the songs unsurprisingly for a genre like this tend on the very long side like averaging out well over nine minutes like lots of these structures will go through a lot of a lot of progressions but the, the progressions are well judged I, I i like how the album moves like the album is kind of giving you all the surprises i think really within the first five minutes which is quite nice like sort of using that first track to really lay out the mission statement of all the all the ideas that like, the kind of band's going to be going through although the close of shadow work does go into i i'd say more jazzy territory there's some there's some interesting stuff going on particularly in the middle of it with a very a very strange clean section something that's getting um kind of more towards the the avant-garde there it, it's an interesting thought as well like i guess progressive doom isn't a genre i really think of a lot like i think it it must exist there's no reason why you couldn't be proggy with doom christ like black sabbath do that all the time in their their early releases and we're kind of we're all signed off on that being doom metal right um yeah so again not completely alien for for what it is it's just yeah i, I was kind of taken aback by this and i think because of the band name because of the the kind of the album cover being this sort of fairly cool picture but just this sort of like i think it's an actual photo but yeah just looks really cool but looks kind of very trad kind of doomy um yeah i i was i was quite taken aback by the sound of this and i i, I think subterranean um disposition are really really doing something interesting on this album <laughs>
So next up, uh, an artist I've become very fond of in recent years. This is Exoc Trillium with their, what is it now, like 10th album, I believe, Astral Constellations of the Magical Zodiac, uh, released not that long ago on Ivoid Hanger Records. So um, if you've been following Exoc Trillium at all, they, they're, they're an interesting sort of slightly progressive almost like death metal influenced in places like one man black metal projects in the vein of the i have void hanger one man black metal projects with your your medical needs and spectral or all this kind of stuff as i say they're, they're kind of sort of the unique bent for me in their sound is that kind of air of quite punishing sort of like almost old school death metal they sort of bring to bring to their sound along with their very unique vocal delivery this sort of low sort of almost like bullfrog type noise i think it's amazing but it will be a divisive one um in recent years i think i've noticed this particularly after eternity to sheog but really has been a constant throughout is the amount of music they release is absolutely dizzying the the project has only been active since 2016 but they now have 10 albums along with like a good few EPs and singles. Most of the albums are well over an hour in runtime. Like Astagul, the the one man behind this, is relentless in his kind of releases, and this album really shows up the extent of that being <laughs> over two hours in length, like a, a free disc epic. With this album, um, really, it's kind of returned to the sound we sort of had. Um, I would say on Eternity's Shayog and Die of Requiem, where it's the kind of their more expansive, epic, very very layered kind of um, sound. Like I felt with the the two albums last year, Consecrations and Sayoffs. Like Consecrations was incredibly brutal, like really quite aggressive by their standards, and the other one was like far more kind of atmospheric and sort of more stripped back by their 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 usual styles whereas this this as i say is that very complex very layered sound um they're they're a very interesting multi-instrumentalist they're credited with all sorts on this guitar bass drums i assume that must be programmed drums they really sound programmed synths piano violin and reptilian tongue of cosmic horror which you know not a bad description of their vocals and doing this this very um overly elaborate hard to follow kind of sort of lovecraftian um concept i, I believe most of theirs are are these kind of interesting in-depth concepts which i don't really have the the knowledge of the subject matter to ever like truly unpick but it, you know it definitely makes for um for interesting stuff and it's once again uh coupled with an amazing cover uh done by Dumpf, uh, or I have no idea how you, you say her kind of name, but um, she she did this and the uh, Dieth Requiem for the Serpent uh, Telepath cover, which, yeah, really, really cool, very striking, very colourful, very chaotic images. I think, so, I, reading between the lines here, I assume I void hanger of so overwhelmed by the amount of stuff Astagal puts out they only allow them to have one album with them a year, so that's one album where, you know, they pay for the cover and production. So that's that's his big one, and and this year he's gone kind of wild on this, um, with uh, you know, putting in a triple album, but one that's well worth picking up the the physical uh, disc for because I avoid doing it always go out on their packaging and this has an amazing bit of cover art for each disc of it and you know just an incredible cool product now i'm sure this is where detractors would would argue style over substance and i i see what you're saying but i i think there's there is nothing wrong with bands putting a huge amount into the artistic direction that goes along with their music i feel it's important to have that visual aid there and i like that i'd void hanger makes such a big deal of that and for, for the music itself, as I say, this feels like a return, particularly to that eternity of Sheog sound, which I, I really, really enjoyed. That, that incredibly layered, like, Asagul's an interesting musician of, like, 
they are nothing they do ever strikes as particularly challenging beyond you know the norm of recording an album is obviously an impressive skill in itself but like they, they never they're never really complex in any individual instrument but what they do is they just layer things up like infinitely their 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 way of constructing songs is really interesting because like huge synths but then the drums like the the i believe program drums like the kicks really have this full kick and snare as well actually have this kind of huge attack in the mix which for music so um so kind of atmospheric is quite an interesting choice and you know there's a lot of interesting stuff going on with the guitars there and now you know as of their fifth album onwards layering violin over that in a lot of places introduces a lot of really interesting melodic textures and their vocals are such a kind of alien kind of uh component as well like the lyrics are completely impossible to discern from the voice but it's not the same continuous noise there's a lot of interesting enunciation and sound going on there now you might be fooled looking at this release much like i was when it came out going okay we're gonna get something something really different because this is the first release you know triple disc like They've, they've released 80 minute long albums before but never a 170 minute long album and from the the makeup of the tracks you might be fooled there's like so each track is around the seven minute mark and then we have two towards the end which are like the final two songs are both over 20 minutes so you know a full album's length in itself right there and i was kind of expecting okay we're gonna get like so spectral law often writes these very long black metal albums but they're into their ambient stuff so they'll do a 20 minute song towards the end of the album that is just you know kind of uh ambient music um not really my thing but it's it's an interesting choice and i know a lot of people are into this no this album does not have this is all in that vein of that sound i've i've described could be applied to every single one of these songs both the the two 20 minute long songs are still like that they they're very good i do think they're some of the best material on the album the two longer tracks actually there's a lot of kind of interesting progressions but i I gotta be honest the average listener are you ever going to get that far like to to be on so you already need to be you're an hour and a half into the album by the time you get to those tracks and what's particularly striking is that he doesn't he doesn't build to a huge close on this album either which you would think with that time like um that just kind of stops at the end of uh the reptilian time reversed it it does just like come to a great close so i it's a difficult one because like a lot of the reviews i like hey you've got metal archives as as a a review i think it's being slightly uncharitable about the album um sort of complaining that he's you know not getting to the point essentially uh he's i guess it's well written like they, they explain themselves pretty well on it but um is is that inherently a flaw i don't know because I, I really like what this album does but if i yeah i go into my itunes library i can see my play counts and i've listened to the first six tracks like eight times and most of the rest of the album like once or twice and i i just i don't know how often i'm going to sit down and listen to a two-hour long album particularly like a two-hour long album like this where it is continuing that same idea like the thing that often gets me through like an 80 minute long album is the promise of an end of a story like building to a big closer um and this doesn't quite have that and astagall has already been releasing music at an absolutely exhausting rate for example he put out an album um independently released called funeral back in january that i completely forgot the existence of and I, I think I think I have to accept with them now. They're they're an artist that release music so fast, and it is it's complex. It takes time to digest this really layered, really in depth kind of music. But I'm going to dip in and out and sort of grab albums as like as they immediately appeal. Uh, Astral Constellations is doing something I really like, but I feel it's it's an album I will regularly just listen to disc one of and then probably move on to something else. But is that inherently a flaw? I don't know. Um, I, 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 I still think the music is is absolutely amazing, and Essex Trillium are still in that position of of doing a sound that you know is very much their own. So I'm great that he you know, he's 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 keeping this up. 
but I, I think I, I kind of would love to see that kind of Bluetooth Nord style um, experimentation from him. Like while he's putting out music this often, it would be interesting to see him go into kind of more and more ter territories, especially as he has these kind of, you know, all these extra instruments like violin at his disposal. There's a lot he can do with that. But, you know, while Essel Trillium's here doing their thing, I'm very happy with that. <laughs> So I'm going to do a couple of shorter releases I've really enjoyed from this year next. First, going to cover a one that will definitely be divisive. This is Rainer Lanthamon's um, second release EP, Melich. Um, Rainer, you may have heard of before. He's kind of famed for being the vocalist of that really kind of out there Bethlehem album from back in the day and also is the like incredible jazz bassist of um kind of legendary German German death metal band Pavor. So he's he's a very very talented character who performs some extremely avant garde music. And if you came across his sort of debut solo album um from twenty nineteen, you'll be aware of what I mean. He sort of couples all those things he was doing in other bands together with some kind of like neoclassical touch stuff and and like hints of black and death metal his vocal performance is very much like um it is on that bethlehem album bethlehem album it is that that level of insane shrieking completely kind of unhinged approach to where to place vocals kind of the the black metal equivalent of um lord worm and cryptopsy kind of thing like that that's sort of like them very much having their own rhythm and their own approach but being so much more overwhelming because so many of the the vocals are this ultra high pitch shrieking yeah as i say it's a divisive one because he will put those kind of like very out there over the top vocals over some often quite gentle passages of keyboard and you know the ep very much picks up where the the debut album left off the the title track opens with this kind of um melodic keyboard but then he's sort of like just ridiculous black metal vocal performance coming in over the top which is it's, it's just a sound that only he does the track sort of continues on in that vein for for quite a while with these sort of like cool kind of almost 70 sounding synths blending into more like traditional piano sounding stuff and then there's those kind of builds to a really big crescendo in the last minute where sort of the the piano playing goes goes kind of wild the drums get a bit more intense and it's yeah really cool kind of outro to the song and then the the second track on the album the, the the closer essentially on this ep um we get basically a kind of mishmash of every idea i think that was on the album put together in like an incredibly intense three minutes so we get some of the some more guitar and some of like the riffing goes into that kind of death metal territory there is still a sort of like neoclassical tinge keyboard passages there's some far more kind of jazz influence stuff like we get at one point a very impressive like out there bass part where like he's an absolute shredder of a bass player and does this ridiculous almost like bass lead in the middle of the song incredible stuff it's 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 all really really interesting and incredibly avant-garde and I, I i i do really enjoy what he's going for but i think this would be one 
be fairly divisive among most listeners. Honestly, biggest criticism I've got of this is it's one of those EPs where I think it's only eight or nine minutes of music, and it does feel like a bit of a tease for the next album. Like, I, I love I love EPs as a format, but this does feel like essentially like a single sort of. Hopefully, this is a prelude to to a longer release. But I really like what he's doing so far on this, and I'd love to hear more in this vein because that 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 first album stood as a very interesting, unique statement. And this is this is continuing that idea on. Next CP I would hope would be of more interest to most listeners. This is Damon with their latest World Turned Hell. So Damon are a band that like uh sort of London based band, part of I you know, that kind of group of cool black and death metal bands that have been around for quite a while. So although this is um they they've only got three albums sort of before this, so they've been about in some form or another since the since like the late nineties and World Turn Hell kind of continues on their sound. Like, um, so I got really into the Difference Engine back in when that came out in like 2007, and you know, sort of eagerly awaited a follow up, uh, which took 12 years to get to the excellent A Fine Game of Nil, which really did continue on their. I, I metal archives list them as progressive black slash death metal, and that's one of those things. I guess it could mean anything. What I kind of like about their sound, and they've kind of kept this relatively in this vein for all their releases, is it's a great kind of blending of quite precise, technical, very modern kind of forward-thinking death metal but with a very odd vocal approach to that kind of genre. Um, Nathaniel, who's like the, the core member, the guy who's sort of been running the project the, the whole time, has a great voice where he sort of screams in like a kind of higher register, but also throw in these kind of like sort of semi-clean vocals. And all his stuff has this sort of, I don't know, very, very negative nature to it. There's something about the way the way his vocals present and I think the music as well like really fits into this it is it's quite unsettlingly apocalyptic his uh, yeah his vocal delivery works very well because very clear where like whatever kind of technique he's doing and he has quite a cool like very verbose like like very kind of angry slash despairing kind of approach to lyric writing which just fits so well with that and the you know surround himself with some incredible sort of musicians like the the current lineup are ridiculously tight on this this music that is very complex although rarely flashy uh, drummer uh flo toolman puts in like an amazing performance on this there's like some fantastic blast beats and just i don't know his drumming gives it this really kind of tight angular nature and we even like rare for this band get like um a guitar solo from i believe new guitarist nick sampson well newish i think he he started working with the band in like 2019 but yeah he sort of um he sort of gets to really show off in the in the first track in this ep for like for this worth like world world turned hell as i say i feel like continues on sort of that general sound like the general feeling the air that the very the very apocalyptic world ending nature that music has it still still captures that but i really like the mixes i think i like how this album this ep sounds maybe more than 
fine game of nil like there's it's very very clear like precise but without losing any kind of edge it's still it's still exceptionally dark heavy music and then the two so it's much like the the previous ep we discussed it's it's two new tracks which add up to about eight minutes of music so world turned hell and catch a falling knife both both really great like um stuff i could see becoming part of their live set they, these these songs are really really catchy and memorable and then to sort of fill out the runs on the ep we get two two live tracks um both songs off the the previous album um and and they're, they're good they're they're really nice kind of capturing of um of damon's live sound and there's there's quite a lot of good youtube of them playing live if you've you know, if you're not from the UK and haven't had a chance to see them, they're a, they are a really solid live act. I've always I've always really enjoyed watching them live, or even sort of watching like um, recordings of them playing live. So yeah, it's it's great to see see that kind of captured here. Although it still has that thing of essentially with only like nine minutes or so of new music, this feels like a bit of a tease. I hope it's moving us towards another full length because I, I really like what this band do. Um, the cover, the cover is, I, I think it's like a really cool kind of looking thing. Uh, they they have uh, running alongside sort of the new release. Um, they put up like the first installment and I think the second installment's going soon of like a comic series, which I think is sort of tied into the the sort of universe of these songs. Which really cool idea. I have I haven't had I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but um, I I very much like the art style. The, the, the um the cover of his album is yeah very cool looking with the the, the sort of underlighting the the central character has in general if you like that kind of slightly weird take on black and death metal that sort of i'd say appeared in the uh, sort of london scene in the early 2000s i'd highly recommend giving damon a go they don't necessarily sound like they're doing anything even that similar to a lot of bands there but they have that that sort of interesting edge to them uh the name is spelled d-a-m-i-m and the uh the ep is called world turned hell So if like me, that Damon EP left you wanting more, I think this next EP will kind of really fill that gap. Um, this is Penny Coffin with Conscripted Morality. Uh, this was um, sent to me by uh, listener Ralph, who sort of caught them live and was raving about how good a show it was. Now, I can't speak to the live show, but the the EP was certainly a very impressive thing from a, a relatively new band. So they're a Scottish band. They've got three EPs out so far, like the, the first ones from 2021, so very, very new um, outfit, and I think most of the guys in the band are not credited with a lot else on um, Metal Archive, so yeah, this is definitely one of those up-and-coming, like, one-to-watch, like, um, and yeah, they, as I say, like, not a bad follow-up to Damon in terms of sound. These guys, I'd say, more strictly, like, rooted in death metal camp, there isn't there isn't like that kind of crossover with black metal in there, but it is death metal with a very heavy focus on sort of atmospherics and a kind of oppressive negative energy to it. They're kind of the core of their sound revolves around these sort of heavy chugging riffs, very sort of precise, complex sort of 
blast beats and like ever present like the drum work is is kind of like amazing throughout this like the double kicks never really let up even when the occasional passages where the band slow down and sort of the guitar work is a lot of this like very fast picking so a lot of chugging and then like throwing in a ton of pinches and stuff just to give that sort of ugly gnarly feel to it it's um yeah it's it's an overwhelmingly sort of heavy release there but they do get some kind of cool stuff in there. I say, like it, it manages to find a lot of atmosphere as well, where there's this kind of great long echoing passages of like sort of lead guitar over stuff, and there is plenty to it as well. Where despite the atmosphere, they still manage to give you that kind of sense of songs you'd want to get into the pit for. This this still rocks very hard. It's just it's a very dark release as well. There's even passage. There's one passage in it that actually really puts me in mind of like older Gojira with like this sort of interesting sort of tapping pattern over quite a complex riff. But with Penny Coffin, they've taken that kind of sound and made it a lot darker, a lot more brutal. The vocals, I believe, have like like sort of added distortion on them as well, so they just sit in this kind of horrendous, almost inhuman register for the entire thing. Like. Say unlike like down, there's not so much like the vocal hooks you'd have with an act like this. The the vocals are just like another intense bludgeon, like every other instrument in this band, as well. Like there's the band that like, kind of nailed their uh, their kind of aesthetic. Like you know, it's a relatively new band. Like the album cover or the EP cover, I should say, is really cool. This kind of shrouded figure leaning over um, a gravestone with this kind of like sort of grainy like filters of the arts very evocative and fits very well and the name penny coffin like finding like i think this is a really cool concept for a name or you know very dark concept i guess um taken from the oh, this is me basically reading wikipedia now but taking from the idea of the the four penny coffin or the coffin house which was a homeless shelter created for people in central London by the Salvation Army in the late 19th century, where they essentially put up like these kind of box, human-sized boxes, kind of coffin-shaped, for people to sleep in overnight, so they, they had kind of food and shelter. Which is one of those interesting things where at the time, I, I mean, I'm sure they, you know, were trying to help the homeless with this, but in hindsight, it looks absolutely horrendous. So yeah, yeah, hats off to Penny Coffin for coming up with a really cool band name in 2021 like that's definitely <laughs> definitely a hard thing to do these days in general this ep does feel like much more of sort of, of a full product than the last two it's sort of 25 minutes long four tracks so there's no there's no kind of intros or out like or kind of filler in that and with the the title track conscripted morality things come to a really epic close that final sort of passage of lead guitar really feels like well earned going through it and you know, it is kind of like a beautiful closer that, that sort of fades out. Yeah, just just an amazing, um, amazing release. It's certainly a band to watch, and I, I can't wait to hear a full length for, from them. Let's cover one final EP then. This is a new band, Sarmat, with their debut EP, Dubious Disc. So, JQ is on our Enslaved episode, is definitely like really flying the flag for. So, Sarmat have a debut album, Determined to Strike, that came out recently after this. 
which I've, I've started listening to. It's very good, but I haven't fully wrapped my head around it yet. So I want to talk about their very interesting out there uh, debut dubious disc. If it all sounds a bit much, though, go over to the, the debut Determined to Strike. Um, Ivoid Hanger recently put that one out. So, um, yeah, I think that's a more <laughs> restrained entry, which isn't saying much based on, on this. So dubious disc is a... This is the band Sama Arf like a New York kind of collective of musicians featuring members of Imperial Triumphant and Artificial Brain on this. But then there's like a trumpet player on the album. So you can kind of, um, you can kind of guess where this is going. The The EP is recorded live at uh, Men Across the Thousand Caves by Colin Marston. So this is one 17 minute performance that, um, it's kind of, I, I think they say, like, it's improvised, but it's clearly, like, some, like, I, I think it was sort of written in studio. Like, I, this is far too technically complex to be improvised on the spot. They're, you know, this feels very, like, um, curated and, that's probably the wrong word, but it's very written. Like, it, it's too technically perfect. But... It does still have that kind of energy of a very, like, weird live performance to it. There's a couple of descriptors um, the band used on their, their, their two band camp pages, which are those great, like, uh, what it was one is, uh, imagine Mahavish New Orchestra playing Gore Guts, or what's the other one? Uh, defeated Sanity, like, a, a disconcerting hybrid between Defeated Sanity and Weather Report. So, obviously, completely meaningless, other than the fact there's some elements of weird jazz and there's some elements of weird death metal to this. The The EP starts off, like, like it really comes out of the gate doing its thing. Like, we, the trumpet is kind of actually ever-present through this, so this isn't like, you know, kind of sax is often used in metal where you get, like, a cool solo in, in a song or whatever. The, the the trumpet is almost the main lead instrument of this. And then James Jones's like drum performance is just sort of wildly all over the place behind that. And the guitars and bass are all throwing in some interesting stuff, but it's it's sort of those two that like immediately grab your attention. Like so it starts out not not noticeably, I'd say metal maybe. Like it, it does feel more like kind of quite an aggressive jazz piece early on with these like ever-changing fills on the drum kit and these this like quite over-the-top melody to start with um but then then we get into some more obviously metallic grooves later on where we get more of the two guitarists uh Cotter Ch Champlin um and Oleg Zalman of Artificial Brain sort of come in the bass is played by uh Steve Blanco of, of Imperial Trump and so they like there is bits where, especially with Colin Marston mixing it, where it sort of falls into that, um, you know, that sort of vein more obviously. There's even some vocals uh, later in the album which are um, very much in the, the big wheel of Artificial Brain Afterbirth kind of mould of the super low and don't really don't really give any sense of like lyrics or anything like that and just kind of fit neatly i think first first time i listened to this I, in my head i just had it as an instrumental because they they do just feel so part of the obvious texture of this the the other really kind of striking uh sort of memorable thing about this is a lot of the melodies they're sort of riffing on although they sort of um say a lot about like it being kind of improvisations on a theme taken from the main album a lot of the melodies at their heart are melodies from the early pokemon Game boy games like so if if you played those games a lot as a kid this will uh this will trigger something in your brain where you're like i know this but uh this isn't right but it, i i know it's, I, I think that's a really cool theme to because they do so much with them we're obviously going from those sort of 8-bit, 16-bit, I don't know which they are, um, kind of Game Boy tunes to this this kind of, like, a full band with sort of multiple guitars, trumpets, like, really interesting percussion, kind of evolves them in a, in a very a very interesting way. And, and I, I think this, this like, 17-minute um, track does have some really interesting sort of peaks and troughs of, like, the melodies go great places, like, that it, 
it feels like naturally doesn't feel like a band of talented people just going through the motions that i i do i do think it's like interesting catchy even quite memorable in a lot of ways it's now i've listened to it quite a few times like i do have a sense of you know what's coming next it's not just complete kind of chaos or showy for the sake of it i, I think it is very musical for for want of a better term i also really love the the kind of aesthetic of the release so it's called dubious disc and the the front cover is is kind of a very high resolution picture of a cd kind of face down in the leaves outside sort of reflecting back it's it's just a cool idea i think i that's uh that's real fun obviously gonna give the the album determined to strike a lot of time like i'm sure i'll be back in a few weeks with a very a very glowing review of that but i i think dubious disc is a really fun start point for this band and it's 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 a nice kind of like over the top thing coming out of that um that fairly ridiculous jazz tinged bizarre death metal scene that's going on over over around colin marston's studio essentially so i've just seen that this um is released as a cd and dvd where there's like a full recording of the band playing this live that's been limited to strictly 200 copies so i better go grab that before i um release this episode i don't want competition on that Lanferman and Sarmat, things might have got too jazzy for a lot of listeners. So, what is the exact opposite of jazz? That's right, power metal. Um, <laughs> power metal is a genre like I dabble with at times, and I do really enjoy it. In passing, there's there's certain things I can't do within the genre, but uh, this next band very much appeals to the bit of it I I enjoy. So this is Sacred Outcry with their second album, Towers of Gold. Uh, not to be confused with Sacred Oath, who are another band I sort of bought some music from in the last few days, mainly based on their really great singer. So yeah, Sacred Outcry. Um, I think the reason a lot of people will have heard of this band, and it's kind of the, uh, so the big selling point, the thing that grabbed me about this band initially was they have Daniel Hyman of Lost Horizon and many other bands kind of fame um and if you're you're aware of Lost Horizon they're a band kind of famed for just how over the top the vocal performance is and this is many years on their their, their two albums were out around the very early 2000s and despite you know approaching his late 40s Daniel has not lost it at all his voice is silly good this guy he just has he has this delivery where he will hold notes for an age and just keep building higher and higher there never seems to be a pause for breath he will just sing in a way which just keeps going more and more extreme it's just one of the great power metal vocalists i think at this this point in time like he he is a mind-blowing singer the album starts in fairly kind of traditional power metal fashion with uh through lands forgotten a kind of two minute epic sort of scene setting intro and then things kick off with uh flames rekindled which yeah it just showcases his voice to such an extreme like he is kind of front and center in the mix doing amazingly cool stuff throughout just the completely bombastic and just like the first time you hear it, completely jaw-dropping performance. The rest of the band, like, this is that kind of... There are keyboards throughout this, but this is the heavier end of power metal. This is, like, sort of 
very riffy, very guitar-driven, lots of, like, heavy, continuous double kicks throughout. It never quite descends into sort of, like, blast beats or anything, you know, fully into the realm of extreme, but it's, it's you know, relatively heavy music for the genre. Um, yeah, and they, they never let the key... The keyboards, I think, are very tasteful on this, despite sort of uh, being, being throughout. And while the vocals are so kind of showy, the rest of the band don't too much like there's some cool solos uh steve laudo the guitarist like throws in some very impressive bits of lead guitar but it's restrained it 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 this is not your kind of symphony x where the solos are half the appeal of the song there they're just a cool little bit that comes that comes in between this is this is mainly about setting up the big choruses putting in place like these these melodies so the first two songs proper flame rekindled and the voyage are very epic bombastic fast heavy but they they do have other gears like they they slow things down for uh some of the later tracks in the album symphony of the night um definitely gets kind of more subdued and sort of like daniel does take time on these songs to be a bit more restrained and kind of yeah, his vocals never stop being cool, but it's it it's not that sort of endlessly pushing things higher or or throwing. It's just like as long a kind of continuous string together. Whereas those first two songs are kind of more more in that vein. I believe it's a concept album as well, and it builds to a really strong close. We get the fourteen-minute uh, epic title track, Towers of Gold, which throws in a lot more kind of musical departments or departures, a lot more like kind of instrumental sections, stuff where things get very atmospheric and maybe more keyboard-driven for a point. And then there's some, there's kind of some more interesting instrumental sections, and then there's there's like an outro to sort of close out the album. So it, it's got a nice progression to it. If you hate power metal, this is not going to convince you. I think it's going to be the kind of thing you'll hear a second of the vocals immediately turn it off. Which, fair enough, you know, I, I get this genre is very much not for everyone. But if you're kind of, you know, on the fence about the genre and, you know, like like the odd band, you like your Symphony X or whatever, the kind of the crossover <laughs> to death metal fans at the moment is, I think Sacred Outcry could, could appeal, despite that god-awful band name. I, I Every time I say it, it does does make you cringe slightly I, I don't know why but i'm really not a fan of that so far this album seems to be like ludicrously well reviewed and and loved so it's kind of looks like it might be shaping up to be a bit of a power metal classic but obviously with these things like there's always excitement for when the kind of legendary musician comes up comes back for something really good be interesting to see if this kind of like passes the test of time So I think I'm going to try and keep these episodes around an hour in length when I'm just talking to myself like this. So I'll throw in one more review and then we'll we'll call it a day. Next one I want to cover is Gorod with The Orb. So Gorod are a French uh, tech death band who have been around since like the late 90s. And I kind of always forget just quite how many uh, sort of albums they've released. Um, this is their, their seventh. And it's, it's been quite a while since uh, their last one, Ethera. So... It was something I was I was quite looking forward to. I had, like for a band I've been going this long, they've never really had a misstep. I've kind of enjoyed pretty much everything they've put out to to varying degrees. Like they have they have a very cool sound to them. I've always liked the kind of melodicism they get in there. So it's it's 
you know, it's very traditional tech def, the very bleep bloop hyper thread, like bass being as complex as, as the guitars, the drums being that kind of triggered, very full on attack. It's really quick, but they always have a cool sense of melody, a cool sense of like just being very memorable and and I think the way they like I remember them saying in an interview like one of the reasons for that was because the sort of the songwriters have quite a love for blues so they always kind of have that sort of almost bluesy nature to their stuff which I think um maybe it's like kind of using more major scales and stuff their, their stuff does always sound sort of interesting interesting melodic and kind of it's not as dark as a lot of stuff in this genre but you know it's still brutal and heavy like um uh vocalist julian dres like does have quite an aggressive attack to his voice it's a really cool kind of well enunciated mid-range vocal that he'll occasionally throw in the kind of um like the really long inhales which used to be you know i think something that was very popular for a bit of time and then kind of completely went out of fashion and everyone stopped doing but him using them sparingly like once every song or two um just for like one really long scream i i, I really like that as an aesthetic like that i think it, i think it fits i think if he was doing it for the whole album it would do my head in but but i, I, I kind of like that and yeah the 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 sort of they they throw in some other sort of interesting ideas um on on we are the sun the second track there's um there's like a breakdown in the middle which is just like essentially instrumental math rock like the drums kind of almost completely drop out and it's just these two tapping guitar leads and then the bass comes in which um actually works really well i'm math rock is probably one of my like that kind of just twinkly math rock is one of my least favorite genres but i think you sparingly in the middle of a song like this it was a very nice texture very nice like change in pace the other thing they experiment with is actually some clean vocals on the title track the orb and i I think they kind of work i can't remember if this is something they sort of done on the on some of the newer albums i sort of i think i'm i'm kind of more familiar with their their first four albums than i have been the last few so i don't don't know if the clean vocals have been there for a while or not but um yeah, I'll have to go back and try and remind myself. But but they work. They they aren't the egregious like sort of left turn. It kind of it kind of fits with the music and it's it's used sparingly enough. I I have I have no issue with it. And more than anything, this is this is one of those those things where it's a lovely combination of some ludicrously talented musicians finding the perfect balance between being very showy. There, there's some very <laughs> very flashy solos in this but still finding enough of a space for melodicism and like good hooks good riffs like the the kind of the riffs are more memorable than the solos on this which i think is is what you want from that the the playing is is ludicrous all around i i, I really love the bass playing in gorod um i think um benoit klaus is i think he's one of the sort of main songwriters for this because he always seems to have such a place in the mix like he he really cuts through and he will throw in some interesting tapping stuff or just be playing at such a space where he place where he's like so clearly like keeping up with the guitars but still getting a like a good distinction to his notes like i I believe he plays finger style which yeah it's really great but like whatever whatever you play or you'll find a a, an instrumentalist in this band to zone in on because they they're all sort of ludicrously talented but as i say it's still focused on sort of riffs and catchiness and just being at its heart a good death metal album and doesn't out say it's welcome at 43 minutes um well really 40 minutes if you ignore the the stupid doors cover in the end i'm sorry i i, I can't really do the fun cover <laughs> like it's uh <laughs> it's not a concept that works for most fans but yeah like 40 minutes eight tracks kind of perfect everything's you know very contained and like any of the experimental ideas like the other things they throw in there they're brief enough if they're not for you you'll be back to the kind of rocking tech death quick enough also it's simple but i really like the cover the that sort of eye as the center of a sun with those repeating patterns i i think looks looks really cool but yeah just gorod just being a great staple of the french death metal scene like i think the french death metal scene has had a lot to offer for years and gorod are kind of one of those bands who came up in that period where 
death metal was less cool and kind of rode that out to the point where hopefully I'd, I'd assume these days they've got you know access to quite a big audience so so yeah it's, it's great to see them just still on top form and and being a, as impressive and riffy as ever right i'll um i'll call that episode there i think uh, i think that's enough of me going on about albums i have not spent long enough with there there is a load of other stuff from this year i've been really into i've, I've not got to covering a few of like i think my like absolute favorites for this year just because of sort of picking these semi semi at random so if you'd like me to do more of these like new music episodes let me know like um they're, they're quite easy ones to prepare for because i don't feel the need to to know quite as much about his bands as you know a lot of the time it is relatively first pass with this i think though um i will go back to doing like a, a band discography for the for the next episode but yeah yeah let, let me know what you'd like to hear um i like as always get in touch you can find me at breakfast metal on twitter phil's breakfast metal uh on instagram or facebook um or if you want to send anything more long form um hit my by email at philsbreakfastmetal at gmail.com um yeah like i i won't always be able to get back to you immediately but i do love i do love hearing recommendations from people so if you find anything cool you think i like please send it my way um and thanks a lot for listening (laughs) 